Kia ora, I'm Alicia Wilson-Hetty from Te Taumata Tuia Iwi, Auckland's Regional Arts Trust. You're listening to Creative Capital, a podcast about advocacy and systems change. We're exploring the role that arts, creativity and culture play in Tamaki Makoto, with a focus on the people behind the work and their vision for the future. I am joined in the studio with Amelia Puyer-Taylor. She is a proud daughter of the Moana. She has been fortunate to shape her career being creative. She is a tutu, people weaver, placemaker and cultural arts manager. She's been working across the creative industries for 18 years. Kia ora, my name is Amelia Rangihirirunga Pariniko Puyer-Taylor. My pronoun nouns are she, her. And my practice is a tutu. Yeah. Essentially a tutu. Oh, I love that. Of people and of places and spaces and faces. Chair. Thank you for joining me today for this corridor. And for context, listeners, Amelia is a close friend of mine. And over the course of our friendship, we've collaborated on a few different co-papa together. And at the centre of what you do across many different hats that you wear is community development and being service of community. How has your creative practice been informed by this? It's definitely um, focused on space. Yeah. Um, being a descendant from Tamaki Makoto, uh, it's been like the glue, or I'd like to actually say a fenu. it's been a, a strand that I've been able to weave between understanding from Kaumatua, Kuya, the, the, the stories of the area, to working with the people who are now the, the caretakers of the area. I've just been able to use that art, kind of weave it all together, really. Yeah. Um, and now I've just kind of realised the importance of all of it comes back to education, yeah. to educate the people about how important these spaces are. Um, the whenua below, the waterways, the maunga that they're surrounded by and um, just some of the pūrako, being able to use art and education to try and connect to people really. I love that. Do you think we've kind of seen over the last, I would say, yeah, two decades, more and more um, creative practitioners, um, Māori, Pacifica, uh, Pākehā in this space, yet be more considerate of like responding to locality? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the last five years, there's this shift in, in people wanting to be identified as tangata tiriti. Yeah. And they've wanted to take an active role in not just understanding the kōrero, but how to pronounce the names correctly, how to work with the people of the land, and just watching the shifts that they've made in their whānau and their families by sending kids to schools that are inclusive of all cultures. Yeah. Yeah, just a lot of hard mahi in, in my lifetime, and especially being an artist in the area. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm. So rangatahi development has been a through line throughout your practice and community mahi. As a practitioner, um, I've had the pleasure of contributing and facilitating a few different kaupapa um, at the 312 Hub that you co-founded. What were some of your biggest learnings from the 312 Hub and that kaupapa? Kaupapa and business do not mix. Yeah. Yeah, they're two different worlds. Um, and kaupapa comes from a whiakoa, this upbringing and, yeah. and, and this intergenerational 
whareke or, or, or fabric that we get to all lay on, but business is kind of like the stollop of some new modern form of commu- uh, communication, really. Yeah. And I've just kind of <coughs> learned that when you're kaupapa driven, especially for people, um, working with people and people, our whanau, um, some of those business nuances don't really gel. Uh, yeah. You know, they just don't really gel with like, procurement. You know, that that's something that's really strong in my world. Being an artist, um, it's hard to work with the people, learn the stories, teach them, but then you've got to try and work out a budget. Yeah. Get a contract sorted. Those things just don't work together. So with the hub, yeah, we just had to make a, a clean we had to have, have a, a deep corridor to ourselves and ask ourselves, are we kopapa or are we trying to be a business? Yeah. Um, yeah. Five years we did with that that kopapa and we learned a lot about how to be indigenous gangsters within the business world. Yeah. And once we've applied all that new matauranga uh, capabilities uh, and capacity building, we were just like, oh, we didn't even do all of that for business or to make money, but it came down to sustainability. So, yeah, kaupapa and business didn't mix. I'd also say that um, when it comes to navigating the social um, fabric of a community, yeah. it's not just a Māori and Pākehā kōrero anymore. Yeah. There's many layers to it. And um, the 312 Hub was our university. Yeah. To teach us, you know, how to work with people really, taught our young people, taught my my team and also the community learnt a lot too about, oh, we're not the only ones who live here. Gentrification's yeah. real. Yeah, totally. But the hood's still here too, Yeah, you know. So, yeah, lots of learning in that but those would probably be my two main points. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So I just love the 312 Hub. I miss it. Yeah, I get it. I totally get yeah. it. Do do you and the team still have those um, relationships and connections with the rangatahi that came through the 312 hub? Yeah, we're a whanau. It's like a big-ass <coughs> hapu that's just kind of developed. It's pro- pro- I'd say it's an iwi now. Yeah. Um, the physical building's gone, but the hub's still alive in all of us. Yeah, of course. A lot of our founding young people are youth workers now. Yeah, I and love that, that. And that, that thing just buzzes me out a lot that, ah, okay, um, when we closed the hub last year in March, it was on our fifth birthday. Yeah. And I uh, don't know how we got to that point, but we just knew we didn't have the energy to deal with the politics and the bureaucracy. And also we didn't have the energy to keep fighting for the young people when actually the young people didn't want to be fought for. Yeah. Um, and now that we've kind of reflecting back, yeah, the hub, has definitely not died. It's just the physical space has disappeared. Yeah. But we're all very still close. We're all having a look at each other. And I just get really excited to say that we we try to do something and all these other small hubs are starting to pop up too. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, they can learn from it. Yeah, I think that's the other thing too, isn't it, is that – Sometimes I think it's it's important to recognise when the tank is no longer full and when you're actually just depleting yourself. And I don't think we really um, know when to actually tap out. Like I think there's a lot of different um, kopapa or 
things that have happened in our creative ecosystem across Tamaki and more widely um, Aotearoa that I'm like, hmm, you could have maybe put that one to rest. And I think that would have been okay. Like I think there's something to be said about knowing when, knowing when to step away from things as well. Yeah. And I think it's quite admirable, to be honest with you, to know when that is. Like, and I think I had a similar experience myself um, leaving pride of going, I actually feel like I'm doing a disservice by yeah. being here. Because even though it was a lot shorter, it was only a 10-month stint, it was like, oh, I don't feel like I have enough in my tank to be mm-hmm. able to do this in a way that doesn't feel like I'm going to end up resenting this community. Yeah. So it's better for me to just go, okay, I'm going to go over there for now. And make space for somebody else to step into that space. And I think we don't do that enough no. in, our, in our sector. No. The, and uh, that, to me, touches <coughs> on kaitiakitanga. You know, yeah. active guardianship doesn't really mean uh, it applies to te taiao, to our environment, but it's actually like the taiao within ourselves and yeah. our bodies, being able to listen to that thing that says, no, 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 no. If you're going to... Um, do it this way, you do it properly or not at all. Yeah. Make space for someone else who's able to do a, a better service to it, but also be able to lead it and push whatever the kaupapa is to another space. And it was really hard. We actually wanted to, we were only meant to do the hub for one year. Yeah. And it ended up, and you would have seen it too, you were there, you helping us literally your tāne was helping us keep the bugs out, you know? Like, that's such a huge, crucial part that all these little things um, that so many people did to try and keep it going. Yeah. And then I would have little kōrero to myself because deep down I was responsible for people and yeah. uh, energy. And I remember thinking, like, how many people are wanting to invest time, energy, spirit into our kaupapa I want to honour that. I don't yeah. want to, sh- you know, shortcut it or do a disservice to it. So every three months I'd have this stint of like, it's time to wrap up. We can't do it anymore. I don't want to waste people's energy or resource. Yeah. Yeah, lots of lessons. Um, what rangatahi focus kaupapa are you currently working on at the moment? Too many. <laughs> I can't help myself. Um, hence the word tutu. Yeah. Yeah, so hotutu. Um I'm actually doing a lot more at home with my iwi, Ngatitiata. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, who would have thought? So with the hub going, we set up a, a we helped to set up a youth initiative up in Hokianga too. Yeah, to awesome. Te Mamaku. Um, my Tani has kind of taken that on for himself on our behalf. Um, we work as a, a duo. And then I decided to come home to just put some energy back into my my whānau. I could yep. see all these new emerging artists coming out of our iwi. And I just realised there's a lot that I grew up with being in the mana whenua artist space for tāmaki that I could share some of the, the knowledge, that yeah, awesome. the experiences. Um, so there's that. Um, we're also with Te Taumata Toya Iwi um, helping to facilitate some wānanga for Taina artists, yeah, cool. emerging artists. Um, definitely in the space of creating and holding space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that going on, even with our Palestinian community too. Yeah. 
um, just kind of sharing the maramataka according to our area. Yeah. So when they're out there doing their actions, they know exactly um, what energy to bring. If it's a tangaroa, they go all out. Yeah. If it's a kore kore, they, you know, ease up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, doing a lot. But I love it. And it um, none of it's paid, but I don't really care about that. It's just about... Um, I'm being in a space that my heart's thriving in. Yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm. So what are, what are the biggest needs of rangatahi currently and how could creative practice continue to enable solutions to those needs, do you think? I still think time and space is key. Yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I can't stress that enough. Like university and um, getting all the extra knowledge out there I'm not saying it's a thing of the past, but it's an optional thing to do for being able to like tap into your creativity. Yeah. But I think it's things like spending time at home with your whanau, like the little things. Um, It's also like putting yourself in really uncomfortable positions um, that problems arise, but from the problems, solutions and new ideas are formed. Um, Yeah, and like I, I, I quote, my good friend Grace Taylor, she taught me, especially around the rangatahi development work, she said, you got to be okay to um, plant the seed and not see the fruit. Yeah. And I think for young people coming up now, they've got all the tools around them. We've just got to keep nurturing the, the whenua that they, of where they plant their own seeds. Yeah. And be cool to just do that foundational work and just whatever happens, happens. Have no expectations because I think regardless, it's all going to turn out awesome in terms of their own creativity. But, um, yeah, I'm just learning. Not an emerging artist, but I'm not established either. Yeah. But I, I do feel time and space is kind of still very important for creativity to, to flourish. Oh, absolutely. I think that has been one of my biggest lessons as a, as a practitioner, that um, not to move to anybody else's watch because it's a creative process and practice. And mm. so just like finding my own rhythm with stuff and not feeling the need to be so responsive to things because then you just fi- find yourself like you're constantly on a hamster wheel responding to stuff and then it's not fun. Yeah. And I think, if anything, I really just um, value fun differently now. The older yeah. I've gotten, I'm like, I want to actually have fun. I want to enjoy this work because it's all a lot. Yes. You know, a lot. It's all a lot. So how can you like really keep that fun energy and whatever you're doing and make it fun for the people around you as well so you're not like having to drag yourself across the finish line. Yeah, yeah. We're working on a the Te Taumata Toya Iwi um, kaupapa for the, the rangatahi. Um, that's through Te Manawa. And awesome. it's my first time working in an environment where they're all young. Yeah, And they're cool. all cool. They love admin. They love getting things done. Yeah. And I'm just like, shucks, am I old? <laughs> These guys just made what I would think planning a wānanga. Um, so Aniwa, Whaiapu, um, Noah, um, Clementine, they they have this really cool way of just like, yo, we're going to do it like this. What do you think? And I'm just like, man, we'd be scrapping it out usually amongst my generation of, of artists. Yeah. We'd like think about all the different um, – 
ways of thinking about a problem and getting so critical that we don't get any mahi done. Yeah. And these guys are just like, let's get it done. Like, yo, what else? What's next? I'm like, shucks, we're in a shift. I think we're right in the middle of a of a paradigm shift where it's time for me to phase out a rangatahi and kind of like be over here and watch these young ones just kill it, kill the game really. Yeah. In the most life giving way possible. Yeah, no, I get it. I totally <laughs> yeah. get it. Yeah, they're 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 brilliant. The Timanoa team are awesome. Oh, yeah, the gate. Love it. Um, energy. <clears throat> so you have you've led Kopapa that has been based in an urban context and Kopapa that has been based in a rural context. What are the similarities and differences do you think? Social issues. Yeah. Yeah. There's it's a similarity but it's also Polar opposites, polar ends of the spectrum of um, need, yeah. um, lack of resource. I've learned in the provinces um, that rangatahi experience the same things that urban kids experience. In fact, Matani and I um, use our kaupapa ngā atuahau, um, that's centred around mural arts. We've been able to connect kids from the urban and the rural. Awesome. Mix them up together. Yeah. And... It's been a real beautiful, humbling experience where the urban kids realise how lucky they've got it in terms of convenience. Yeah. And then the rural kids forget how lucky they are to have access to um, meats, you know, from the from the moana, water that you're allowed to swim in. Um, so just trying to find a way to connect those dots. I think the drug issue is, yeah. is crucial. Um I, I learned that that's the same in, in both urban and rural. Yeah. Um, but how it's been dealt to, there's more resource in the in the urban environment than there are in the rural communities. In fact, it's easier to speak to um, things like methamphetamine, and you've got a lot more a lot a lot more access to the resources, the support, yeah, um, and the networks to manage or deal to it. Whereas in the rural community, no one's going to talk about it. Yeah, Everyone knows yeah. where the pea house is. Yeah. Everyone knows to avoid it. Everyone knows who's on it and who isn't. Yeah. And they've all just like quietly managed themselves. These are young kids as young as nine who wow. know what that stuff is. Yeah. And it's a commonality, yet how it's been dealt to, so different. And, and it's really hard being in the middle of both those worlds where we're like, okay, we can't change the way – their whānau are, and we don't want to judge the whānau who are on those things. Yeah. We've got to think about the whakapapa. So mm-hmm. our one art has become a, a really potent space to help these young ones work out what their rangatiratanga looks like, um, hence our model that we, we created through the hub, Rangatahi Tu Rangatira, where a young person becomes the leader, is yeah. <clears throat> we just take ourselves off the table and put the kids on the table and tell us what's up, and then we listen to that. So a lot of our wānanga processes with the mural art that we do, um, the puka puka we make, we make sure the kaumatua are there, the parents, the kids, and we just try and learn more than lead. Yeah. And then from all of that, it's I'm not saying like we've got the answer to dealing with methamphetamine, but these kids are coming out a lot stronger in who they are and what they don't want in their lives. Yeah. And I think I like to think about the solutions or like what what are the fruits that they could probably feast on to feed themselves and nurture themselves out of a situation. Yeah. Um, so with regard to that, I always think like, okay, we just need to create an environment 
where the rural kids get to come to the city, have access to university, trades, um, movers and shakers that they feel are likened to, and I acknowledge a kaupapa up north called Maranga Ake, um, Stacey Noel and Graham uh, Meta have been ones, and Patrick Heke, they created this youth programme up north, which connected to Massive Theatre Company. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and over the years, they've been able to take kids overseas yeah. using theatre and then to connect them in where some of the kids now have careers um, as musicians, dancers, performers, um, as actors. And that's those are the rungwa. That's the rungwa of how to like deal with the meth issue. Yeah, is find letting these kids build a pathway to get themselves out of a situation. Um, and along the lines, you see that the Fano start to heal when they see their kids yeah. doing well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you think that that with those kinds of initiatives, there is a bit of a shift then in terms of our babies and and, and our and our kids in rural areas being able to see, oh, that's actually a pathway, it's a possibility, it's not just a fun thing to do. Yeah, um, we're so past the days where it's just about sports is the only way to get out. <clears throat> you know, I know that from a tahatinana perspective, it's like a expression, a physical form of expression, but like kids are so overloaded with options now. Yeah, I think they're a bit luckier than what we had. Yeah, and even more so, we were more luckier than our parents. Yeah, um, but I like to also challenge them with the concept of remembering what colonization is. Yeah, and and bringing those hard kōrero to the space, um, and they're all keen to have the kōrero, which is so weird. Um, where when I grew up, that. No one talked about colonisation. No. We just got on with it and yeah. just, you know, um, be grateful for what you have. You'd still be wearing grass skirts, you know, like things like that. Whereas kids are like, oh, well, that's what you went through. I don't have to go through that. Kids these days have better access to processing things such as learning the deal. Yeah. Which is a lot harder for, you know, the likes of our, our parents' generation. And I'm like, man, how do we – I think I, me personally, my practice is around adapting to trying maintaining a way to nurture it. Yeah. You know, keep the facado going, keep them feeling like they're allowed to think like that, they're allowed to be at the gate with their thoughts, they're allowed to question and critique things and also recognising my privilege too. Yeah. That Yo, I can back these kids up when um, I like. I put a post up last night, um, who of a young person who attended Huiamutu, um, awesome. making sure that their voice was honoured about how they felt about yeah. uh, a kōrero that took place in the Huiamutu, each to their own. But I thought, no, it's a perspective that needs to be shared. Yeah, and this young person's not keen to put themselves out like that. But who knows who who else felt like that? Yeah, um, the Post went viral overnight by accident, but it was because so many people also felt that they just couldn't find the words. Yeah, and so if our generation's in a in a position to just nurture those cord at all for them to kind of work out what their words are, and then help them put it out there, then I feel like yeah, we grow. We all grow towards not the same direction, but we also grow in understanding. Absolutely. I think the thing that I'm so um, 
astounded by with our with our young people is their the expansiveness of their curiosity and imagination and I'm always kind of blown away by my own children and their mm. sense of curiosity and imagination and the the que- the questioning I think of things I think um for our generation I don't know that it was I don't think it was ever put on us as oh that's a bad thing to be that curious but maybe there wasn't enough space to really encourage that either right. and so watching our our tamariki and our rangatahi be like why why I love why it. I'm like yeah why exactly and and being able to actually encourage them to have that kind of um pathway of thinking for themselves I think is really important yeah yeah I um I've learned just in the last week or so that they're the generation that are a lot more unapologetic. Yeah. Yeah, and, and actually it was in a wānanga regarding te tiriti o waitangi where a Māori whānau, a mother, she was able to give feedback to the wānanga we all experienced where she had said, like, what if I don't want to um, share all the pastimes and all the struggles and the hurt that's happened to our forefathers. Like, my children don't know any different to be raised in this world with being able to speak their native tongue and live in this world, and why would I want to switch that up? Like, what good would that do? And it made me wonder, like, yeah, like, I feel young people, they don't have it good because there's still so many things going on. Yeah. But there's this thing on the outside of a, of a child's mind, a rangatahi's mind, and in those circles where we're all kind of holding that space, where we're trying to work out what we're allowed to feed the kids or what's going to be valuable for them. And then we're also trying to not baby them and cotton wool their their lives yeah, because we want them to be prepared for white supremacy, racism, and all those hard um, experiences that are still out there and right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really feel like the generation to come, they're, they're on a whole nother level. They're just a lot more stronger in knowing who they are. Um, and they've got lo- a lot more tools, which is something that my siblings and I say to each other. We have a lot more tools than what our parents have. So dealing with conflict, we need to deal with it so it doesn't pass down to anyone else. Yeah. Um, We welcome brave conversations in my home and within our whānau, we always try to make sure that we're just having maramatanga, understanding of each other where we're at. Yeah. So we're not doing all that heavy hard work constantly. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm not a mum myself, you know, so... Rangatahi works so important to me because, I mean, like in the space of working with my iwi um, and having younger emerging artists coming up, um, there's things that they don't have to endure. Yeah. Working with <coughs> bureaucracy, we don't need to tell them how hard it was. We just have to, have to show them how to deal with it and get on with it because um, if we sit too long in that space, then we're also going to be in dormant waters and the waka's still not going to move. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that's been something I've reflected on throughout my career. Mm. And it's not to minimise the kinds of um, 
experiences that elders from our creative community experience because they were pretty horrific. But I didn't cut you, yeah. so don't bleed on me. And I think that's always been in the forefront of my mind of for the people coming up behind us, we don't have to pull the ladder up. That's not actually how our people do things. So just making sure that it's like, am I okay with me? Like, okay, making sure you're actually healing I, yourself. Yeah. You know, what was I heard something recently and I was like, oh, I love that. Um, we're not healed, we're healing. And it is very much that of going, how do we like minimise um, that kind of harm to the next generations of practitioners coming up behind us? Because I think, you know, when I was coming up, and I get it, like there's trauma there. There's trauma that has lived in the body and within the community of people that we are, you know, this wider creative community that we're all a part of. Mm. And so I understand how in certain situations that has um, festered. But I just don't think we can do that anymore. No, no. And I think that's kind of where art just becomes a wrong way. It's yeah. just like getting back to the brush or to the pencil and just jamming without really thinking too much about what the end result's going to look like. Yeah. We need to be doing those things too, you know. You need to get your hands messy. I love painting murals. I don't get to paint them as much. I just do the conceptual development side. Um, but, man, when I'm in that space, I actually just forget about caring about all the little things I can't control. Yeah. And then I'm like, shit, that's that goodness that we need to just focus with our kids. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just, yeah, just jamming. More fun, more music, more dancing. Exactly. So I'm going to kind of shift shift the corridor slightly <laughs> okay. because I um, have been thinking about this and reflecting on this a lot since October and the most recent general election. And in the context of being located in, in Nam in Melbourne and watching the voice and the outcome of the voice and then watching the outcome of the general election at home, oh, just being yeah. like, oh my, oh, what's going on? You got out. <laughs> um, so this coalition that has been formed between uh, National Act and New Zealand First, this combination of the three parties, I think, is probably one of the most conservative and I think it's fair to say racist coalitions that we've seen for a while I reckon and a lot of the um, policies that have kind of been coming out or being put on the table are so divisive and like at the core of it really anti maori as a practitioner and, and a person who is deeply embedded in, in your community how have you been responding to this? I know that's a big, big question. And oh, it's it's a crunchy question, I'm I think. sweaty already. Nah, um, man. It's, it's been a challenge, eh? Yeah. You know? um, but I was in this court, I was at an exhibition one day and I was chatting to an, um, an artist, Dan Boipoa, and then he was quoting another artist, Joss Wheeler, Joss Wheeler, I'm going to quote you, bro. Um, he says it's like this coalition is like a like a boil or like a yeah, you know, that's a great analogy. The, yeah, coming to the surface, it's it's probably a good thing because they're revealing themselves, and yeah. it's better to come out than to stay beneath the surface. 
And that just shifted my thinking like around, I can see you now. I can see yeah. you're rearing yourself, you know, you're visible to us all. And now you're giving, you're affording us an opportunity to prepare ourselves to clean it up, you know. Yeah. And the only way when you're at that point where you're exposed and the, sorry, ugly analogy, but the boils popped and it started, we, we've got to just try and keep oozing it out to try and get it sorted. So I feel like they're just going to unravel themselves. The 100-day plan, um, yeah, is the most racist thing I've ever read in my life. Yeah. And it's it's an attack, really, you know, not just on Māori people. It's an attack on everyone who's yeah. chosen to live here in Aotearoa. And, you know, I really feel for our migrant communities, yeah. our, our immigrant communities who've been exposed to so much harm that they've needed to run away and, and choose Aotearoa to live at. And I'm thinking if we're going to experience it and cop it, everyone else, it's just going to be a trickle effect. Yeah. Um, but I am trying to be optimistic. And now that I can see what the concerns are and what they're doing, what they're proposing, yeah, um, it's given us a greater opportunity to look amongst ourselves. And Saturday, attending the Hui Amotu was one of the most heartwarming things I've ever been to. Like, I don't think I've ever quite experienced a sense of unity where I didn't feel alone. As yeah. A, and not just an, as an artist, but as a, a mokopuna to the land here. Um, it gave me hope that, and we took our Palestinian community down with us. We took some members and met some down there and we were walking through the fire I felt like we're all yeah. prepared to walk through the fire together. Um, so me personally, I feel like I, this has been coming. We kind of yeah. saw it coming before COVID. We started to, like social media really shows itself, eh? It really shows yeah. where everyone's at. And I guess I'm not going to give advice to anybody. But for me personally, I know what's out there now. Yeah, I I now know how to take care of myself. I want to position myself to be in a lot more indigenous led um, communities. I want to work with those who are being missed out. Yeah, um, and with what this current coalition intend to do, um, now is our time to just like kind of focus on home, focus on ourselves, get ourselves prepared, not to just think about the voting system, but how to think beyond it. Yeah. How to get organised. Yeah. And we've got so many forefathers to show us the way of how they've done things on no money, no resource, whereas now a lot of our iwi uh, have started to settle. Everyone's building their, their assets and we've, we're, not, we're not showing up empty-handed anymore if it's, um, you know, not just in resource but in energy. Yeah. And uh, experience, I'm kind of like, yeah, cool, let's just not forget all the cousins who've decided to live here too. Like we've got to take them on the journey with us the whole way. Um, let the government outdo themselves and expose themselves and we'll still be here to see how it all goes and carry on, really. Yeah, it's been interesting watching from Nam and kind of having this discourse with mm. people located there where they've kind of been... I guess a little shocked and for me it's been oddly validating of of actually being able to look at this boil 
and go, oh, yeah, but we've always known that's there. Yeah. It's just been under the surface the entire time. And to True. be able to have this kind of boil come to the very top and go, no, New Zealand is a, is, has major race relation issues that it needs to sort out. And I think the beauty of, of being creative people is that we've been able to have that as a platform to unpack it yeah. in a way that doesn't feel too harmful to yourself when you're investigating what it means to be, for my context, a diaspora person on stolen land mm. and trying to agitate, I think, peers and community to question, are you an agent for white supremacy? Is that what you're doing? Yes. How can you do better? Because it's not just white people that are agents for white supremacy. It's our own. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it is sometimes. And so you, yeah, I guess posing the question of, well, when we, we talk about decolonization, what does it actually mean? And are you are you decolonizing your mind? Are you really unpacking that for yourself? And yeah, because I think some of the most racist, wild <laughs> reckons that I've seen when it comes to our, you know, Southeast Asian whānau, our Middle Eastern whānau, are from our people. And I'm like, nah, bro, that's yeah. real paru behaviour. Cut I'm, that out. Yeah. Oh, it's that bugs me the most, eh? Yeah. Like, and that's why I keep coming back to like... <coughs> If there's a flow chart, art is the way to connect and then yeah. you get to educate some subconscious subliminally and then you do a bit of a shift where their attitude shifts, they get humbled and then hopefully like they just kind of go, oh shit. But the rewarding thing is when they check themselves and that yeah. self-awareness is on. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't have an answer to that, but that's still really strong in our community too. It's taking people a while to kind of like – yeah, work on their shit. Yeah, I think it's it's um slow cultural burn stuff, hey, that you you can see it. You can see there's a shift happening. And I mean it's never as fast as I would like it. I'm like, okay, come on, faster. Yeah. Come on now. Get on with um, it. But yeah, I think that's something I've been really reflecting on and kind of thinking as well, how do we continue to build strength and power amongst Indigenous people and amongst our marginalised communities because we are the global majority. And I think that's something I've been like really shifting in my own mind as well, that when we think about the West as an example, it, often we think, oh, that's majority no. white. But when you actually break it down, you go, the global majority yeah. is the rest of us. And so if we start to have more opportunities to actually create those relationships and share these ideas, that's where you see the strength. Absolutely. Like, I, that's where I come back to Purako, yeah. the storytelling, um, because as soon as someone knows the story of a location, whether they're from there or not, there's just like a shift in their attitude around, like, protecting and being a guardian. Definitely. Especially around Tupuna stories where you hear of like navigators who navigated vast waters and all, did all these things without technology and modern science, etc. And then you think, damn, if they could do it, then I could. Yeah. And then you need those translators, eh? And that's where art comes in. The translators to be able to like translate those Purako into what's happening today and who's kind of um, – yeah, who kind of represents that 
now. I, I've, yeah, Purako is just the key around some of that development of self, the them building on who they are internally, yeah. knowing the whakapapa of how they're connected to someone. I mean, prior to that, I used to tag all over the place and then I learned what the, the no, I learned about the area. Yeah. And I felt funny because once you know something, especially around um, being tika and pono, yeah. um, when it's good for you, you, you feel better, but your conscience also kicks in to say, I can't do those things anymore. Like, damn. And then you just start to shift in a way. But, yeah, I I could probably go down a rabbit hole in that too. I get it. But I really feel like energetically <laughs> I think 2024 is the reaping. It very much feels that way of like we are well and truly in this point in time of like truth telling and you either listen or you're going to get left behind. Exposure therapy. Yeah. You just got to go through it and deal with it. Yeah. yeah, totally. So I've got a couple more questions and then we'll wrap this cordial up. But I just wanted to ask you, because one of the one of the qualities that I really admire so deeply about you as a person is your ability to mobilise people around kaupapa. And I think in this very moment in time, where we are seeing like mass mobilization around the globe um, with so many different kaupapa at the heart of it really, but at the very, very core is people. How, what, what is your, well, not secret, because I don't <laughs> think you do it secretly, but like what, what, are, what, are, what do you think it's like, how do you mobilize people for you, like for you and the person that you are, what has been the the tools that you've used to like gather the people around a shared kopapa? Oh, that's a big question, eh? I don't even know. It's a feeling. It's a why do a thing for me. Yeah. Um, it's gap filling. Yeah. I, I would. I I'm better at. It's very easy to see what's there. Yeah. But I like to see who's missing in the room. Yeah. And that's where I put my energy. Um, and rather than looking at what's there, I look at what's needed. Yeah. What what the space is missing. Um, so, you know, like, yeah, oh, I kind of feel flattered you said that, but I'm like, oh, yeah, true, mobilisation. It's definitely around the need, eh? Like, I will just, it's a spirit thing within my tinana that's, oh, it's a puku feeling. I just get a, not butterflies, it's a, Get up and do it. It's like my tupuna are telling me, you need to do this. Yeah. And and I just try to take care of my body and my spirit to be, uh, to listen to those things. And yeah, everything else just happens, really. I don't, all I do is just like think about who's missing and why do they need to be in that kōrero? Why do they need to be at that kōpapa? Yeah. And um, that's where I put my energy. I, I'm very fortunate um, to just be blessed with having access to the maramataka knowledge yeah. from all the free workshops that have been taking place around South Auckland. Shout-outs to Papa Rao. Um, because the maramataka has been the thing that's also – it's like a roadmap 
um, to help me guide whether I'm the right person to mobilise yeah. or to hit up the person who I think might be best. So, you know, from a mana whenua perspective, anything that happens on one side of the row here, I'll go to that kazi. Yeah. Check us, you fellas doing anything? And if they're like, nope, then I'm like, cool. Well, I've just noticed this kaupapa is happening up on this maunga or over at this place. It's in your guys' rohe. Do you have anyone to facilitate it? Or just to make sure. But I think what draws me to kaupapa is around safety. Yeah. Um, I will only jump in it because I think about what would my nannies and my karaua do if they were still around. Yeah. Um, they would usually be in the kitchen cooking a kai and making sure that the people are fed. But manakitanga for me looks like I've got worlds of knowledge, pockets of knowledge that I, I should utilise rather than just staying at home and being on social media, I'll go and put it to use. Um, and if I feel like I'm the right person, I'll definitely just put my body out there and I feel like the tupuna just carried me the rest of the way. Um, and funnily enough and, you know, thankfully... I've been safe every time. Yeah. Uh, and I feel blessed that every kaupapa that I've worked on, no one's been harmed and I don't take that lightly. Yeah. Um, and that comes down to karakia, comes down to water, taking care of my body and then those people who we're bringing along to mobile or, you know, to a kaupapa, they end up just going with it too. Yeah. And they feel, everyone feels something. Um, which kind of then leads on to all these other things. And then next minute we've got a huge network or community in a whanau that we've made of our own. So, yeah, my whanau are good, but I've created another whanau. We've all created another whanau where – and you've been – you've showed up when I've needed you um, when it's come time for the hub, you know, in our dire straits we needed people to fill the whare to warm it up. And you were able to do that with a lot of the mahi you done. And that was because we knew the po out there who could honour it and do it justice. And so while it might not be gap filling, it might be just recognising the people like you and all of our cool community in our art space that can just get it done and not to think not to think too much about it too. Yeah. Yeah, because the overthinking, like it does come down to like a state of balancing out your physical well-being, your mental your spiritual, and just making sure you're in a position too with your family. Yeah. You know, having kids or someone to look after, you might second guess whether you can do something or not. But um, I don't have kids yet, yet, and I'm in a position with my family back me 100%. Um, yeah, I, I feel the love of my whanau. And when they don't feel good about me doing something – probably won't mobilise is what I would usually do. Yeah. If it doesn't feel good, yeah. So it's a, it's a feeling thing. Mm. I love the answer, maids. I do. And it's I think it's been... being able to explain that. I think it's just been really beautiful to watch as well how um, people have recognised the importance of showing up for each other in this time of actually being able to like, say to our Palestinian brothers and sisters here, like, we've got your back. Yeah. And it might not seem like a lot, but it actually is. It's huge to be able to just um, see people and mm -hmm. go, like, I see you. This is awful, but don't worry. Like, we've, we're have we here to, like, 
care for you as well. I don't think that can be understated enough how important that is. That's a constant kōrero in itself, eh? And it's definitely a feeling like I got to meet um, a Palestinian brother, Omar. He came on the bus with us down to uh, Huiamotu and I was able to translate some of our feelings of what's happened in our pastimes um, with the proclamation where we were shifted to Mangatafiri from um, all of our places in Tamaki. And I saw a little light go on in his mind and in his eyes, like, wait, that's what's happening to us in Gaza. I was like, yeah, bro, we know what that's like. That's why this building, this is why Tūranga Wawa is here. And how fitting of this time right now that you get to come here, be amongst more Indigenous people and I guess, yeah, it's just being able to walk alongside each other, eh? And each person will just resonate with what hits them in their own way. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing around colonisation that I find so boring. Is <laughs> I'm like, it's so boring. You aren't even imaginative with it. You you have just used the same rule book for time infinite and you just keep rolling it out and it's still boring. It was yeah. boring then, it's boring now. And I think this is the beauty of imagination and collective imagination of going, we imagine something so much bigger than this. So good luck with that because we're still going to be here, you know, regardless of what happens. And I think it's really beautiful that there's been opportunity for our Palestinian whanau to actually have a meeting of minds and spirit with with Māori, with tangata whenua. We Um, need more of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Not just for Māori and Palestinian community, but for all of our immigrants. Yeah. Who, because it's not just it's all it's, it's happening all over. Yeah. And I find that there's something about people wanting to come to Aotearoa, and I'm like, I wonder what it is. Is it because it's so far and so hard to get to? But something gravitates and pulls them here, and when they get here, you know. I always feel that as people of the land, our responsibility is to host a manaki yeah. and, and walk alongside them so that they feel like they're allowed to be a part of this place. Um, yeah, and I just constantly question that too. Like, okay, what can we do to make sure that what we had happened to us doesn't keep happening to them here? Yeah. Um, and that's where art plays a, a really powerful um, role in being able to disseminate, break down the kōrero and um, educate a lot of those that just don't understand. Yeah. You know, um, and once they do, man, it's on. Like everyone starts to uffy one another. Those walls are broken down. We all start to become one. Um, yeah. Thank you. Kapai. So I always end the podcast with this question because I think it's so important to be future focused. What is your big hope for the community as we continue to venture into the unknown of the future what what's your big dreamy dreamy hope color life no. <laughs> um my big hope this sounds really boring but it's safety to be honest yeah the comfort and safety of our people um, and that looks different for everyone. Yeah. Um, but coming from, from this rohi, uh, yeah, I didn't feel safe last year. Yeah. All the way into August, uh, October, I, I was contemplating moving again. I just thought, 
man, how is it that this is my place to stand, my tūranga waiwai, where my tūpuna were all here. There's no other place I can call home um, than this place, you know. Yeah. Raro, Samoa, yeah, I've got all those connections, but I was born and raised here. How is it that this is my home and I don't feel safe in it? Yeah. So my hope is that we build, I'm past resilience, eh? I'm, I'm, I'm past that conversation of trying to build resilience within our people. I would rather build um, confidence yeah. to own, unapologetically, unapologetically own um, who you are, your walk, what what it is you do, and your pukinga, your your skill set that you bring, yeah, um, and working together. Partnerships sound so cliche, but in order for safety to be paramount and to be seen, we need partnership. Māori can't do this alone. I couldn't and, agree more, mate. You know, I think it, it boils down to, and this is something I've been reflecting on a lot is I think globally we're seeing quite, uh, yeah, radical hate. So the only way you can combat that is radical aroha. Kia ora. Um, and it sounds a bit wafty, but I really believe that. I'm like, either you love people fiercely yep. or stay home. <laughs> I would rather love deeply, fiercely than to hate. Because yeah. hate is a tox- toxic feeling inside. It's a poison. And, and aroha transcends you to different realms, you know. I'd rather grow in spirit than to have that poison within me, staying in the same place and stagnant, you know, yeah. and not growing. So I absolutely agree with you on that. Well, thank you, maids. Thank you for having this cordial with me. I've really, really enjoyed this. Um, yeah, thanks. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Creative Capital, brought to you by Te Taumata Toya Ibe. You can learn more about our mahi at www.tetaumatatoyaiwe.org.nz. Please also get in touch with any feedback or ideas for the series too. Nā mihi noe.